الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومطاعنا محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فقد قال الله تعالى في القران المجيد والفرقان الحميد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل للمؤمنين يغضوا من ابصارهم ويحفظوا فروجهم ذلك ازكى لهم ان الله خبير بما يصنعون صدق الله العظيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ما من مسلم ينظر الى محاسن امراه ثم يغض بصر الا احدث الله بها عباده يجد حلاوته في قلبه او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ريسبكتد علماء الكرام ايلدرز بلاو برادرز ان اسلام ون اوف ذا يونيك كاركترستكس اوف اور دين اسلام از ذا ابسولوت اوفررايدنج امفاسيس ذات هاز بين بليسد ابون ذا بريزرفيشن and protection of this deen in its pristine and pure form that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it upon our beloved master sallallahu alayhi wa sallam throughout the ages there have been attempts to adulterate to interpolate to steer us away from the perfect and beautiful example of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam but we find that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen and selected our scholars our pious predecessors that have withstood this tide by the enemies of islam to try and adulterate and change the pure deen of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in fact there is one hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ostensibly if we have to listen to the translation of it may not strike us as being of such great importance yet we can gauge the pivotal nature of this hadith in the light of what the great great scholars of islam imam abu daud rahmatullah alayhi adam muhaddithin there were those amongst the sahaba aisha radiyallahu anha etc the crux of what they said is that this hadith constitutes one third of deen where rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said and the narrator is our mother aisha radiyallahu anha من احدث في امرنا هذا ما ليس منه فهو رد anybody that will introduce something new 
try and change something of our deen malaysa minhu that has not been established from our master sallallahu alayhi wa sallam man ahdatha fi amrina hadha malaysa minhu it's not of islam what will happen fahuwa raddun this will be rejected allah taala in the quran referring to this unfortunate today especially in this modern and contemporary age and era and period the enemies of islam their approach has become much more subtle they are not telling you abandon your islam abandon your deen abandon your identity abandon your name become yahood become nasara no the cunning and the challenge that faces us today is that there is a very very real attempt to present what is not islam as islam there is a very real attempt to make what is completely haram and forbidden not only to make it halal but to portray it as part of islam Allah Ta'ala tells us in the Quran one of the great benefits of taqwa connection with Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala and when we talk of taqwa primarily in the context of what we are discussing taqwa is our inner defense system taqwa is nur taqwa is the true light of iman ya ayyuhalladhina amanu taqullaha yaj'al lakum furqana Allah Ta'ala says if you will preserve and protect your identity preserve and protect your taqwa your connection with Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala then what will happen one great benefit Allah will give us yaj'al lakum furqana Allah will instinctively place within you that quality by which you will be able to distinguish between haq and batil instinctively Never mind how it is presented you will have that level of understanding this is halal this is haram this is islam this is something else so different matter as i mentioned that today many of us have become the slaves of our nafs and desires not only do we want to do the wrong thing we want to make it permissible also allah taala referring to this in the quran allah says afatu'minuna bi ba'dil kitab وَتَكْفُرُونَ بِبَعْضٍ فَمَا جَزَاءُ مَن يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ مِنكُمْ إِلَّا خِزْيٌ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يُرَدُّونَ إِلَى أَشَدِّ الْعَذَابِ وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ There is a very very serious warning contained in this verse Never change shariat and deen to suit your desires Never try and make what is haram into halal Never change the identity of deen to appease your nafs. One of our pious elders rahmatullah alayhi passed away Mawlana Yunus Puna I mentioned this many times he used to explain this in a humorous example this drive to interpolate and adulterate and change the deen of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam so that today what is presented 
is does not even resemble the original. He said there was one person, his pants was too long. So he wanted it cut. So he approached his wife and he told her that, you know what, can you cut my lungi, it's a little bit too long. So maybe it was the wrong time of the month, mood was not right. So she became upset, I'm busy, can't you see, I'm doing everything for you, go tell your mother to do it. She rebuffed him. He goes to his mother, mother also gets upset. I brought you up, I did everything for you, you got a wife, you're still troubling me. Goes to his sister, she responds in the similar vein as the mother. Eventually frustrated, tired, it's the time for Kailullah, hangs up his lungi, goes to rest. The lungi is hanging in front of the bed. Little while later, the wife passes the room, she sees the lungi hanging. She regretted her reaction, wasn't a difficult thing, he asked, I should have exceeded. So she takes the lungi down, she cuts off one or two inches, hangs it back. Little while later, the mother passes, she sees the lungi, she's also feeling regretful. She cuts off one or two inches, hangs it back. Then the sister passes, she does the same thing. So when he wakes up, instead of long pants, now he's got short pants. In other words, there is absolutely no resemblance. Allah says, Will you follow what suits you of shariat and deen and reject the rest? If you will do this, if you will play with the deen of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you will try to make what is haram into halal, Allah warns you, Allah doesn't need any superpowers. The greatest superpower is Allah. Allah says, فَمَا جَزَاءُ مَنْ يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا خِزْيٌ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا If you will do this, we will disgrace you in this world. We will humiliate you. وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And if you will still not make tawbah, وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يُرَدُّونَ إِلَىٰ شَدِّ الْعَذَابِ You will be returned back to a terrible, terrible punishment. وَمَ اللَّهُ بِغَافِنٍ عَمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ And Allah is not unaware of what you are doing. You are weak, you don't have the taqwa, you don't have the himmat, you don't have the courage to stay away from haram. Cry, beg from Allah, make dua to Allah. Allah give you the strength. But don't try and make what is haram into halal. Particularly, particularly my respected brothers in the so-called silly season. In the season of vacation and holiday. In the season of nikahs. For some reason, family functions, nikahs, gatherings occur during this period. And if there is one avenue or one aspect that the enemies of Islam have targeted, it is the aspect of haya, shame and modesty. And understand my respected brothers, haya, shame, modesty, this is such an integral part of Islam and Iman. My Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-Imanu wal-hayau quranau jami'a Ida rufi'a ahaduhuma rufi'a al-akhar He said, Iman and haya, Iman and modesty are two inseparable entities. Ida rufi'a ahaduhuma rufi'a al-akhar If there is no haya and shame and modesty, 
There is no iman. There is no iman without haya. Al-haya la ya'ti illa bi khayr. One hadith he said, haya will only bring goodness. Another hadith, he said, al-hayaw khayrun kulluhu. He said, haya, shame, modesty is the very pinnacle, it is the very representation of goodness and deen and shariat. Inna mimma adraka min kalamin nubuwatil ula. And not only for this ummah, he said throughout the ages, Throughout the ages, the one thing we find from the kalam of every Nabi of Allah, إِذَا فَاتَكَ الْحَيَاءَ That that nation that will lose its haya, that nation that will lose its modesty and shame, my Nabi said, فَفَعَلْ Then the door to everything opens up. Then insan will behave like animals. Donkeys and horses, asses, don't make nikah. They mate with each other in public. Zina is not looked down upon in the culture of animals. Allah created them like that. The warning behind this is lose your haya, lose your shame, lose your modesty, give it whatever guise you want. Then there will be no difference between the behavior of insan and animals. Listen to our youth today. Pick up the newspapers. Who are, who are being idolized? Who are being looked up at? Who have become the role models? This pop star, that music personality, that TV personality, that movie star. Look at their lives. These are Zani, Sharabi. These are people that make zina on a daily basis openly. These are people of Sharab. These are people who are morally zero, decrepit, bankrupt. Yet the very essence, the very essence of this concept of Iman is no more there within us. This nafrat for zina, this nafrat and hatred, in natural, my Nabi said, Faf al-mashid. If you will lose your haya, you will lose your shame, you will lose your modesty, then faf al-mashid. There's no more obstacle left. This drive of the enemies of Islam, Fancy titles they give. What's the fancy titles? Islam is a contemporary religion. Islam, Islam advocates gender equality. Islam will not tolerate a disparity between the, between the ranks of men and women. Islam advocates freedom of women. Fancy titles. And behind it is what? This drive and this attempt, understand, study history. Even the Nasara, even the Yahud, up to a few centuries ago, would cover their women. They knew the value of haya and modesty. 1790, the first advocate of female emancipation was an English woman by the name of Mary Wollstonecroft. She wrote a book in which she advocated that society is wasting their assets by treating women as convenient domestic slaves. So she advocated in the name of female advancement, educate your women and bring them into the marketplace. 
make them commodities in the marketplace. She started this movement. Otherwise, even the Nasara and the Yehud also understood that the protection of their society was in preserving the chastity of their women. This reversal of roles, what happened as a result of it? Few years ago, Aligal University in India, there was a talk to be given. By who? By a Swiss air hostess. Tell somebody, some Molana or some Sheikh is giving a talk. Maybe you'll get people interested. Swiss air hostess, everybody is interested. So all the females gathered, the auditorium was packed. They had in their minds, mentally envisaged certain expectations. Swiss air hostess. So what were they expecting? When the curtain dropped, contrary to their expectations, they saw a woman clad in parda from head to toe. A hush of shock reverberated throughout the entire audience. She also sensed it. And then she addressed them and she said, the forces of Batil, the forces of Kufr, the enemies of Islam, when they advocated the so-called freedom of women, emancipation of women, stripping women of the cloak of khaya and shame and modesty that my master, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, covered the daughters of this ummah with. When they advocated this, their entire society broke down. Before I go on with what she said, understand how integral haya, shame and modesty is to Islam and the very identity of Islam. Those of us who will advocate intermingling, those of us who will advocate when my, when my Allah in the Quran addresses the purest women of humanity, addresses the creme de la creme, the VIP, Greater than this, there are no women. When my Allah says, Ya Nisa Nabi, Lastunnaka ahadim minan Nisa, O wives of the Prophet, O mothers of the believers, Lastunnaka ahadim minan Nisa, there are no women like you. Such an accolade, Quran gives. Allah addressing them directly says, فَلَا تَخْدَعْنَ بِالْقَوْلِ فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَدٍ Do not speak in alluring tones. Your voice is parda. Your voice is parda. Your protection is in this. Why? فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَدٍ Because the sickness of men in those in whose hearts is the sickness, that tama, that lalaj, that anticipation, that temptation to haram will enter their hearts if this veil will be removed. Who is, who is commanded? The wives of the Prophet. More, more muttaqi, more pious than them, you will not find women. My Nabi said, Inna li kulli deenin khuluqa Inna li kulli deenin khuluqa Wa khuluqul islami al-haya He said, every deen, every religion, every shariat has an akhlaq. It has a character. It has a defining characteristic. We understand this. You call it an emblem. Or call it a mascot. Whether it's a rugby team or a cricket team or even some country. If you look at their flag, this is a common thing. 
identify a certain color or a certain theme with someone. My Nabi said, like that, Islam has a mascot. Islam has an identifying characteristic. In other words, if this is not there, it can never be Islam. Label it whatever you want. Call it whatever you want. If this is not there, it is not Islam, it is not deen, it is not sharia, it is not sunnah by the qasam of my Allah. He said, Khuluqul Islami al-Haya. Khuluqul Islami al-Haya. The akhlaq, the akhlaq, the emblem, the identity of Islam is haya. In the light of this, how do we justify our daughters naked on the university campuses of the world? How do we justify our women folk as objects of desires in the marketplace? This lie, this lie that Islam has in somehow or the other demeaned women, not given them their status, which is the lie of the enemies of Islam. Under this, what have they done? They've taken women out of the home, stripped them, stripped them of that honor which Allah and His Rasul gave them. What honor? One, a woman was given. A woman was given the robe of being a mother. What is a mother? Do we even know what is a mother? Imam Shafi, rahimahullah, one day is kissing the feet of his mother. This is a scholar of such standard, such pedigree, difficult to find in history. Millions of followers, kissing the feet of his mother, humbling himself before his mother like this. Mother becomes embarrassed. How can you kiss my feet? What is his response? He says, my mother, I'm not kissing my feet. I'm not kissing your feet. I am kissing my jannat. Because my Nabi said, if you want to find jannat, you will find it underneath the feet of your mother. And then we say Islam has somehow demeaned the status of women. Look at the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ayyunnas, ayyunnas. أَحَقُّ بِحُسْنِ صَحَابَتِي أَيُّ النَّاسِ أَحَقُّ بِحُسْنِ صَحَابَتِي Sahabi comes and asks the question. What question? There exists, there exists mutual interrelationships amongst human beings. And based on the relation or the association, one is given the upper hand over the other. Example, you work for somebody, he has certain rights over you. He's paying you a salary, he can make certain demands. Somebody is older than you, they have certain rights over you. Somebody is a relative, they have certain rights over you. This is normal, this is how society runs. So what, look at this question. Ajeeb question. We've heard the hadith before, but understand it. Ayyunnas, ahakku bi husni sahabati. Ya Rasulullah, tell me. Whether I am a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer or a king. Millionaire or billionaire, whether I enjoy the upper echelons of society, I have the highest status, tell me, which is that human being who enjoys the greatest right over me? That when that person in my and your language tells you to jump, you can't ask, you have to jump, no questions asked. Ya Rasulullah, tell me in every relationship that exists, who is the one person that is given the greatest right over me? What does my Nabi say? Ummuk, it is your mother. Thumma man, Ya Rasulullah, then after the mother who? Again, Ummuk. 
third time, Ummuk, your mother, your mother, your mother. And then fourth time, my Nabi said, your father. And we say, Islam hasn't given women status and honor. The robe of a wife. إِنَّ مِنْ أَكْمَلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِيمَانًا أَحْسَنُهُمْ خُلُقًا وَأَلْتَفُهُمْ بِأَهْلِهِ O كَمَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ Two hadiths put them together, I'm just translating. He said, كَمَالَ iman, Perfection of Iman. Perfection of Iman is in the perfection of Akhlaq. And perfection of Akhlaq is in treating your wives in the best possible manner. إِنَّ مِنْ أَحَبَّكُمْ إِلَيَّا وَأَقْرَبِكُمْ مِنِّي مَجْلِسًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَحَاسِنُهُمْ أَخْلَاقًا Second hadith, he said, you want to become the beloved of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa The beloved of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The beloved of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Imagine this. Closest to him than anyone on the day of judgment. He said, what is the root to this? He said, it is akhlaq. And the root to akhlaq is how you will treat your wife. If you are going to be a tyrant and a zalim and an oppressive husband, forget about the closeness of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Forget about be his love. Forget about his closeness. Forget about perfection of iman. My Nabi says it lies in what type of husband you are. How you will treat your wife. In the light of these ahadiths, there's many, many more ahadiths. Juma, there's no time to go into detail. What, in what type of foolish world can anyone in his right mind say that Islam has demeaned women? My Nabi said, you want to find my closeness. You want to find me on the day of judgment. Become a good husband. You, the human being that enjoys the greatest right over you is your mother. He said, bring your daughter up properly. Bring your daughter up properly. And don't give your son's preference over her. He said, you and I will be like this in Jannah. Then he put his two fingers together. This is the position Islam has given women. The responsibility Islam has given women. Ulama say, if it was told to her, if it was told to her to move a mountain, it would be easier than the responsibility Allah has given the women of this ummah. What is that responsibility? That the first Madrasa of the Ummah is the lap of the mother. The Junaid Baghdadis and Rabia Basris of tomorrow will come, illa mashallah, not from the father but from the mother. That is the responsibility she was given. That is the crown, the jewel that she was given. Today, Islam is a contemporary. Islam is like this. Islam is like that. And under that is what? Strip them of their haya. Strip them of their shame. Take them out of the home. Strip them of the responsibility Allah has given them and make them what? Ma'ashuqa, objects of desire. Make them commodities of the marketplace. So today, what is the reality? When they want to sell one washing machine, they show you a picture of a naked woman. They want to sell a chocolate, sell a loaf of bread, they'll show you a picture of a naked woman. This is giving women izzat. This is giving them dignity. This is giving them honor. Hamari akal ko kya ho gaya? What has happened to our aql? How can we be apologetic about our deen? Our deen is haya. Our deen is shame. Our deen is modesty. Allah has elevated the women of this ummah by giving them the cloak of haya and shame. And any attempt to 
reverse these roles, whether Islam or non-Islam. Coming back to what that Swiss air hostess who accepted Islam said. She says, the forces of Batil in interpolating the role of women. What have they done? What has occurred as a result of that? Their entire structure of society has broken down. Broken homes have become the order of the day. Their women don't even want to have children. The children have no identity, have no direction. Drugs, suicide, the rates are soaring. Few years ago, I met a psychiatrist in Leicester in England. Got into a conversation with him. He said, I have a friend in America who's a child psychiatrist. Child psychiatrist. Children need psychiatric treatment. How much? He says that if you want an appointment, if you phone my friend's surgery, the next available appointment is three years' time. The entire society has crumbled. They themselves are totally confused. What is the solution? What has brought this about? They are giving financial incentives to women to bear children. They are giving tax breaks, trying to increase their population, trying to bring women back to the home, trying to re-establish the family identity. She says, the forces of Batil have spat. They are frustrated. They don't know which way to turn. And the tragedy and the travesty that is facing you and I, she says, you people are licking up their spit. Instead of showing them the light, you have the Quran, you have Muhammadur Rasulullah, Umm Khalad radiallahu anha, goes on the Maidan of Uhud. She has received the news. She has received the news. Her son has been made shaheed. She's clad in total, complete parda. Someone comments, at this time of tragedy, at this time of test, at this time of tribulation, Umm Khalad, you haven't forgotten your parda. What is the response? She says, my son may have died, my modesty has not died. My son may have died, my modesty has not died. This is the identity of Islam. This is the culture of Islam. Mamin Muslim, yanzur ila mahasini imratin. That visual temptation will come. There will always be that drive of shaitan. What did my Nabi say? He said, the gaze, the gaze is the most poisonous of the poisonous arrows of shaitan. If you will let this gaze free, what happens? What happens? Zulmat. Darkness enters the heart. Allah has naturally created nur, nur in the heart of every believer. My Nabi would make dua for this nur. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu reports the dua of the tahajjud of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said, as a young boy, I went to my khala Maymuna radiallahu anha. When it was her turn that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would spend the night with her to observe the tahajjud of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Nanti riwayat, I'm not going to the hadith, into the length of it, Bukhari Sharif hadith. But from this, what we glean, what was the dua my Nabi used to make? Allahumma ja'al fi qalbi noora, wa fi basari noora, wa fi 
وان يميني نورا وان شمالي نورا وفوقي نورا وتحتي نورا واجعل لي نورا الله اكبر او الله give me the نور the نور of the eyes the نور of the heart نور above me نور below me نور on the right نور on the left نور behind me او الله grant me نور one of the greatest Weapons that shaitan will use to strip you of the noor of iman, of the noor of taqwa, of the, of the noor which Allah has placed in the heart of every believer is guna and sins and particularly the poisonous arrow of the gaze. This is zulmat. This is zulmat. This is darkness. This is a thirst. A thirst. Once you go down that route, of awargi, of shamelessness, of not controlling your gaze, of this culture of intermingling and co-education, and in, whether it's a fate, whether it's a bazaar, today cry tears of blood if you have to by mistake attend most of the nikahs that take place. What goes on amongst the masturat? Where is Islam? Where is deen? This vacation period, our shame, our modesty goes on vacation. Understand, this is that thirst. Once you go down that route, this thirst will never get quenched. The very essence of the nur of taqwa, the very essence of the nur of iman will be lost if you will not protect your gaze. Beg from Allah. Don't have this mindset. Sahaba zamana was very pure. It was very easy. Today that shaitan box and this music and the shamelessness is everywhere so it's impossible. No. Beg from Allah. Cry before Allah. Ask from Allah to give you that nur of iman. To give you that strength to lower your gaze. To control your gaze. Because this is such a nur. This is such a nur. This is such a might. This is such a power. If you will harness it, I'm sitting on the member of the masjid and I'm prepared to take 1,000 qasams. If you will learn to control your gaze, if you will learn to control your gaze, Wallah, Allah will subjugate the malaika for you. Your du'as will reach the arsh of Allah. Allah will change the system of this world for you. You will have that nur, that sukoon, that peace that you will not find anywhere. And when you close your eyes, when you close your eyes, the noor of your qabr will outshine the noor of the sun also. Control this gaze. Man tarakaha min makhafati. Hadith Qudsi. Hadith Qudsi. Allah says, the one who will lower his gaze out of the fear of Allah, what will Allah give him? Abdaltuhu imanan yajidu halawatahu fi qalbihi. Allah says, I will give you such iman, such iman, such iman. You will find Jannat on the Musalla. You will find Jannat when you read Quran. You will find Jannat in your ibadat. You will, ex you will experience the lazzat and the ecstasy of Allah's taluk. If you will lower your gaze. If you qullil mu'mineen yaghuddu min absarihim wa yahfadu furujahum. Islam has given you a halal avenue. Given you a halal avenue of nikah. Given you a halal avenue of how to control yourself. Allah says lower your gaze. Wa yahfadu furujahum. Guard your chastity. Thalika azka lahum. In this is purity for you. And 
Don't think that there is any getting away. Wallah, inna Allah khabirun bima yasnaoon. Yalamu khainat al-ayun. Wama tukfis sudur. Every time this gaze will go free. My respected brothers can't call karsun lena. The one whose gaze is free, the one whose gaze is free, 1,000 Junaid Baghdadis will never be able to spiritually rectify him. And the one who will control his gaze, 1,000 shaitans will never be able to deviate him. I'm going to terminate on one incident. One contemporary writer, Ushfaq Ahmad, from Pakistan. I mentioned this before, but there is sabak and lesson in it. He says that my introduction to the efficacy and the effect of the Tablik Jamaat didn't happen in Pakistan. He says once I was in Edinburgh, in Scotland, in a park, sitting with my wife Banu. He writes in his autobiography. He says, I saw a young Pakistani Jamaat. They were making salah in the park. There was a youngster who was the Imam. A few young European girls got very curious when they saw this. So they approached this Jamaat, waiting for them to finish their namaz. He says, I told my wife, let's go closer. They made many translation. This is very interesting what is happening. He says, when we went closer, it, it turned out that the youngster was the Imam, knew English, so there was no need for translation. This young European girl engaged him, these few girls. What, what were you people doing? We were praying. Today is not Sunday. How come you praying? We pray five times a day. So many times. 24 hours of every day, Allah gives us the air to breathe. Allah gives us the food to eat. Allah is giving us our health, countless ni'mats, every second of every day. Why should we wait for Sunday? If we thank Him five times a day, what is wrong with that? Like that, few questions were asked. Curious, curiosity, few explanation was given. They were very satisfied. End of it. As is their culture. What is their culture? Culture of Behayai, she stretches out her hand. In other words, thank you very much. You've been very cordial. Let's shake hand and go. What does this youngster do? He does not reciprocate. Holds back his hand. Reaction, please forgive me. Have I offended you that you're not shaking hand with me? He said, no. That's not the reason. What is the reason? This touch of mine. This touch of mine is an amanat and a trust that Allah has reserved for my halal wife. I will not share this with anyone else. The moment they heard this, Tantilmizi Sharif riwayat, لَأَنْ يُتْعَنَا فِي رَأْسِ أَحَدِكُمْ بِمِخْيَةٍ مِّنْ حَدِيدٍ خَيْرٌ لَهُ مِنْ أَنْ يَمُسَّ إِمْرَاتٍ لَا تَحِلُّ لَهُ My Nabi Wasallam said, it is better that a nail be taken and hammered into your head than you touching that which Allah has made haram for you. He said, this, this touch is an amanat reserved for my wife. These girls.